freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about... Just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. Man. That panther growl, Brock, gets you every time. It's Brock and Saul here at Seattle Sports 710. Is that Kit? What was his name? Uh, that's Ked. Ked, yeah. Ked Woodley. That's yeah. Ked Woodley down in yeah. uh, down in North Carolina. Yep. Pretty excited for the uh, Panthers games, <laughs> as you should be. Um, all right. Well, let's see. Colin Cowherd's going to join us. It's like a big football hour. We're going to talk to Colin Cowherd coming up in 30 minutes, and then we'll get back to the baseball and the trade deadline. Shannon Dreyer at 9 o'clock. You want to hit the phone lines with me again at 9.30? It was great at 6.30. Was it really? Yeah, huh? really, really good phone calls at 6.30. Mm-hmm. So we'll do that again at 9.30, heading into ranked, of course, at 9.45. Uh, before we do it, though, we've been trying to do this every day at 8 o'clock when the Seahawks players aren't uh, available at that time. Then we've been moving it, but we are on to today and our most intriguing Seahawks countdown list. Number 18. Number 18, Brock. Number 54, really. What? Back wearing the number that he should be. Bobby Wagner, number 18. Number 18? Most intriguing Seahawk. Yeah, do you think he should be higher than that? Yeah, I feel low. Well, here's the thing. Captain coming back. This isn't best Seahawks. This isn't most important Seahawks. I understand. This is intriguing. I think we kind of know who Bobby Wagner is, or at the very least, what he was. He was once the ultimate staple of consistency for these Seahawks. The most consistent player, the most consistent personality. He was all of those things amidst a whole lot of craziness going on around him. He and KJ, really, the the consistency and the glue in the middle that allowed a lot of the kind of wildness around them to succeed. The question is, what kind of player is he now? Before he left, he was still solid, but had maybe not made as many of the splash plays as he had used to. Will that change with an improved offensive or defensive line? Will that improve with uh, a defense that hopefully is going to free him up to be the player that he always was? Or is it age starting to catch up with him? I don't know the answer to that yet, and that's why he is still intriguing to me. Mm. He's going to be doing a lot of communicating. In fact, he was even calling some plays. Clint Hurt mentioned that yesterday. Uh, he's been doing that so far. I've been. He's got the green dot on, and all the communication and whatnot has been going great. Uh, it's big because you have a you have a calming influence, um, and it's not a you know Jordan did that last year. Obviously, uh, Cody had experience with that last year, and it's, and they did great for what they had to do. But it's different. You're talking about a Hall of Fame player, you know, and this and obviously he has a calming influence and voice. So when he says something in the huddle, everything comes down. So it's been great having him. Yeah, he is a guy that, if nothing else, knows what's going on on a football field knows what's going to happen sometimes before it happens. And Brock, you mentioned this yesterday. I'm going to come back to it. Every defensive player we've asked about the problems they've had stopping the run over the last year all came back to the same thing. Boy, Mafe said it yesterday. For us, it's really just like getting on the same page and, you know, honestly having that communication with the defense and uh, making sure that everyone's on the same page. As long as we control our gaps, do our, our assignments, you know, everything will take care of itself and it's really just about just making sure that there's no miscommunication, making sure that everyone has, you know, we have a sound defense and having that level of communication, level of trust with each other. And that way that if you do your job, then the guy next to you will do his job. So 
as we get those things underway, I feel as if we're, we'll be ready for this, you know, stopping the run this year. I don't know whether Bobby Wagner can continue to make splash plays at the level he did when he was younger. I think that gets harder the older you get. But the one thing I believe in my heart that he can absolutely help with right now today, even if he can't play anymore is the communication necessary for this team to understand where everyone is supposed to be on the field so that they don't have the same problems with their run fits. Yeah, communication or accountability. That, that to me, because you, you could talk it, right? And Jordan Brooks could call the defense. He could communicate the defenses. But can you hold everyone around you accountable to the attention to detail that it takes in this league to be great defensively you don't have the biggest war daddies in the league you you don't they're still down in san francisco got a few more of them in armstead and hargraves is having a great camp hargrave having a great camp in bosa so you don't have that thump in your lineup so your attention to every last detail has got to be spot on as you're talking about bobby and, and listen to those guys you know what he reminds me of at this stage of his career positionally like a sage old catcher, right? Think of those sage old catchers as they get a little bit of age on them, right? Their knees don't work the way they did the first couple of years. And Bobby, by the way, remarkably healthy. Yeah. This is not like an indictment on his legs. You watched him run stride for stride with DJ Dallas. So Pretty this is not, to me. yeah, this is not like he's had all these creaky injuries and he's arthritic and he's old. No, 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 no. I'm talking about like that sage old catcher that can tell any pitcher on that mound what we're doing here that has a feel for the game, right? That could read that hitter and read those swings of a hitter in ways that a young catcher can't. Doesn't have the time on task. Bobby does. Bobby got 10 years of time on task playing that position right in the middle like a catcher. So, hey, man, I, I can see that offensive lineman's stance. I can read these tells. Right? I know when my guys are out of assignment and out of alignment. And then, most importantly, I can hold them accountable. Ken Norton held him and KJ accountable, right? That's part of the reason when you said they're calm within the storm, because who was barking at him? Who was leading their room? Old Mr. Taped Up Fingers himself, <laughs> Ken Norton, crazy man, right? So now Bobby's, Bobby's I think, going to be charged to do a lot of that. Daryl, Derek, Does he Boye? tape up his fingers just before a game as a defensive coordinator? Oh, he would. So Crazy like that. So tell me what you think is more interesting. You didn't like that comp catcher. I could see it. Sometimes you like my stuff. You nah, didn't, that's all right. Nah, it didn't really hit. It's all right. Yeah, you didn't love it. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> I think you've done better. I think Salt kind of sees himself as like the king of comps. No, 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 no. You know who we're talking to at 830? That's the king of comps. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yes, he is. That is <laughs> the metaphor the king? king in radio, Colin uh, Coward. Uh -huh. Nobody. Uh -huh does metaphors like Colin Coward and here like G's great at it I mean they all involve relationships so right, you know right, they're easily right. accessible to most people um, no I don't think I'm a big uh, no I, don't, no. I wouldn't list I that as a strength I you're trying to find a voice match or a like lookalike match for oh someone, yeah I'm good at that yeah. Yeah. no Brock's good <laughs> at that too though you think Bobby's gonna be good this year you think he's gonna make splash plays I think the key to Bobby Wagner this year and another key to communicating and accountability is him not playing every snap of every game. Yeah, uh, let me let me give you a it sounds like I'm going to be sort of avoiding answering this question and I'm, I'm really not trying to do that. 
I think Bobby will be good this year, but I don't know whether he will make those splash plays, and I don't know if it's really his fault. I, I'm still so down on the defensive line in front of him, and I know he said yesterday that they had a great practice, and maybe they're going to be better than I think. I hope so. Yeah, that would be it. awesome. they got to prove it to you big time. They're going to have to prove to me that this defensive line, which looks undersized and not particularly oh, impressive. Man, they look good in these one-on-ones. I know. And they quick. look good. They, they do are. look pretty quick. And, so and much quicker. Dre Jones gets to the, you know, gets into the backfield and if all those things happen yes i think bobby can make splash plays if the guys in front of him do their job so there's a dependence but i got some real yeah which is why i like bringing him back i was opposed to bobby wagner at the stage of his career and the money he was making a couple of years ago because for that amount of money he was too dependent on the guys in front of him and not making splash plays bobby wagner today at this salary totally different situation i don't need him for that money to be the ultimate playmaker i need him to do everything based on what's going on around him and the biggest thing he's gonna have to do is make this team communicate better be that you know he's really just got to be a, a like a wd-40 yep. I, to me it's wd-40 man mm. he's gonna make everything around him work and function better yeah you want to give me a better baseball comp i think what i would say is he's one of those like he's more of a basketball comp he's a what's guy who played for the huskies holiday yes yeah. we're justin holiday or poindexter glue guy yeah just a glue guy when he's in the game everything functions better and i think that's what bobby's got to be at this well, stage here's my level career. lastly and i know we got to run but my last thing here just intrigue wise i'm gonna be intrigued of whether he can make clint hurt better too mm. that's a good question he may, he a young well. a young coordinator man yeah he's a second year coordinator we watched the step we did. We watched a step Shane Waldron made year one, year two, and it was significant. Yeah, it's a good significant. point. Good, good point. I hope he makes him better, challenges him, and you know allows him and gives him freedom uh, right. both ways in that relationship. All right, Bobby Wagner, number 18, most intriguing Seahawk. We'll continue that tomorrow, uh, same time, I believe. Let's see. Colin Cowherd's going to join us in 20 minutes, the actual king of comps, and we'll get his take on Pete and the Seahawks and the Pac-12, and I got a few other mm. sort of offbeat questions for Colin. And uh, before we do it, we'll give you everything you need to know. The Mariners were quiet yesterday. Was it the right thing to do? Why did they do it? Their leadership spoke. And we'll give you the answers next. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. A game that we've seen far too many times. We saw it again last night. Just not good enough offensively as the Mariners left the bases loaded in the first. Only got one run out of it. Second and third. One out in the eighth. Once again, they come away empty-handed, and that was kind of their last chance, especially because Bryce Miller just didn't really have it. His slider, secondary pitches especially, just not up to snuff. He knew it. I didn't didn't really have it today, and that's where, like, I got to be able to make, you know, in-game adjustments and and throw it whenever I need it. Uh, I'm I'm happy with where the changeup is, but I'm not a changeup pitcher. (laughs) I mean... Like it, it's good for when I, when there's going to be seven lefties in the lineup or six lefties, you know. But it's not my main off-speed pitch, so I gotta have I gotta be happy with where the slider is, and I wasn't today. I really like that quote, honestly, yep. and I, I like Bryce Miller a lot. He's right. I'm watching that game last night, going. Can you throw something other than fastballs? I mean, like, it, it just mm-hmm. seemed like he didn't have anything to get those guys off the fastball. It's a good pitch, but it's not good enough by itself to get through a good lineup and. You know, I think it'll come. I really like his upside and potential, but right now, that pitch needs to be there. Yeah, we were wondering when we would start to feel the way. Well, we were wondering 
could this Mariners rotation stay as healthy in 23 as 22? And that was a definitive no. That was answered, well, I think the first outing of the season for Robbie Ray. Wondering kind of when you're going to feel that because the staff and rotation really hasn't. Wu and Miller to this point have been pretty darn good. But the last few starts, this league is recognizing them. For Wu, it's getting lefties out and, and, again, having that command of other pitches, and it's just not there. Not a single strikeout in his outing against Arizona the last time out in five innings. Yesterday for Bryce Miller, and the broadcast kept talking about it, the second and third time through the lineup, different story. First time, blow him away. I mean, he, he still that fastball still blows people yep. away. The RPMs, when it's above the belt, they just can't handle it. But the second and third time through, they're starting to see it. Second and third month through, this league is starting to feel and get a book on these two young guys. And August and September will yep. be pretty enormous of how they then adjust back. Well, I will say the guy who came in, Thornton, to relieve him yesterday is your most likely piggyback candidate and the extra starter that they picked up. I don't know if that's who he is all the time, but he looked pretty darn good last night. We also saw the debut of Dominic Canzone and Josh Rojas. Bit of a mixed bag. Canzone, some good, some bad. He did have a double. As for Rojas, kind of a rough start. Yankees, Blue Jays, Angels all lose. Uh, Boston, Texas, and Houston all win. So the Mariners are six back in the division. They remain three and a half back in the wild card. Here's the second thing you need to know. The team you have right now is the one you're going to have here for the rest of the year. No moves made yesterday at the deadline, just the seawall trade that had occurred the day before. Jerry DePoto explaining that they wanted to do more. Again, I wish we could have been more aggressive. There's, we've, They gave us every reason to, to believe in them and, and be more aggressive. There just wasn't a lot to be aggressive yeah. with. And I think, you know, in aggregate, you can look around the league and it's pretty obvious not a lot of bats were moved and, and we got some of the better ones that did, at least the more interesting guys. Yeah, so I think happy with what they did, but wishing they had been able to do more. A lot of frustration in the fan base, and I completely understand it and, quite frankly, concur. I wrote about it at seattlesports.com last night. It's frustrating to be in this position of trying to thread this needle, as Justin Hollander said. The problem with threading a needle if you don't get it exactly right, you end up splitting the baby, and that's not a place you want to be. Yeah, that's a, as you know, that is a hard, that's hard biblical. one for. Thank you, I appreciate that's that. Biblical. Uh, thank you. I, I love when you go Old Testament. Yeah, like that's that. Solomon right yep. there. Yep, and Isaac. I appreciate that. Um, when not you, Isaac. When you, uh, who? Abraham. Solomon. Oh, that's King, King Solomon split the baby. Oh, oh. Abraham oh, oh. was going to sacrifice S- Isaac. He's do I need to explain religious? He, oh, do I need sorry. to explain religion to you? I'm sorry. You went Solomon. I went Abraham and Isaac. I mean, that's sacrificing the kid as opposed to splitting the baby. But okay, yeah, that's fine. It's a hard pill to swallow, bro. You know that's hard. Well, for me. Being, correct, you need being corrected on religion by your partner? <laughs> no, you know your New Old Testament stories. I love it. Um, no. <laughs> What's a hard pill to swallow is that similar, Salky, to December, January. We wish mm-hmm. the market could have done more. We wish we could have been more aggressive. We wish we could have traded. We wish those things would have opened up. Fast forward six months, we wish the market would have been different. We wish we could have done something. We wish we could have done more. The question now is why and what are you going to do about it? So, you know, Jerry, when we talk to him tomorrow, I can tell you that will be two of my questions. Why is a trade market both in the offseason and at this deadline not been what it needed to be, especially for your needs with bats, and what are we going to do about it? Here's the third thing you need to know. Solomon, you see, was one of the, was not one of, he was the wisest of them all. He was the wise. That's why the he you know, suggested splitting all. the baby. That's right. Two women Thank were you. Like, well, One of them that. said okay, and the other Thank one you. said no. That's how we yep. knew who the real, the real mom was of the baby. Thank you. 
He kind of followed David, if I'm not mistaken. David, well then Solomon. Does that sound right? No. No? Hmm. <laughs> King Solomon's Minds? There's a whole movie about it. It's really good. Is it? The whole so. book of Proverbs, too. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> a lot of wisdom. Anywho. All right. See, uh, not much wisdom. Oh, okay. And see the Pac 9 embarrassed itself. That yes. is everything you need to know. It's Brock and Salk, CL Sports here on 710. Seriously, I don't know what else to tell you there. The Pac-9 absolutely embarrassed itself yesterday. That is such a mess. So what do you do? Okay, honestly, same same question. We've got Fools. a minute here. <laughs> no, what, what, honestly, what, what do you do? We'll ask Colin the same thing. If you're Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Cal, Wazoo, Oregon State are going to follow the lead of Oregon and Washington. What do you do? What do you do? Do you try to maintain, take a lesser short-term deal? Justin was saying one of his buddies said that's exactly what F1 did with ESPN at bottom. You know, level rate number yeah. payments. You take but the you shortest for, term deal you can yes. to try to get back, try to reestablish yourself and get back to market. And you try to maintain a power five. But this, but label. this Apple thing is a terrible idea. It's terrible. It's a bad idea. This is not the right conference to pull that off. They don't have leverage. It's the type of thing you do when you have leverage, not yep. when you have no leverage. Correct. And I, I have, would have some very serious reservations. And my about that. gut from the beginning was that's all he's got right now. That's mm-hmm. the card, right? He, he's dealt a, a cards and his card, and it's not an ace. It's not even a face card in the competition with the other conferences. It's rough, man. He's in a very, very bad spot. I don't necessarily blame George Klevkov for kind of the situation that the conference is in, but he has so far proven himself unable to get himself out of that problem. Does that make sense? Yes. Not unlike what you were saying about Jerry. Like, yeah, all right, that's fine. I get it. That's what the market is. That's not your fault, but you got to find a way around that Mm -hmm. market. And unfortunately... This isn't his, like, he didn't create this mess. Larry Scott did and the presidents, et cetera. Yep. But so far, he's been unable to dig himself out of it. That's going to be a good question for Colin Cowherd, who spends a lot of time thinking about this. I know he'll just be excited that USC is away from all this mess. <laughs> but what about the teams that are left? We'll ask him about that and more next. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Colin Cowherd is going to join us here in just a moment. I'm sorry. I'm fighting off G. Scott. He's in here incessantly. I can't get rid of the man. And I know he's a little <laughs> bummed out. I'm going to be out on vacation on Friday so he doesn't get to come in and torture all of us by giving the people what they want. Well, so question I, we I got, apologize. There. I wanted to read this at the end of Need to Know, but I, we didn't have time here. And maybe people can, you can update later if Colin calls in here in the next five seconds. But 509 wants to know, any Bob Stilton sightings coming in to give you all some mall karate over those pretzels? <laughs> he's going to be in the building so those guys are here. So let me tell you, those guys are going to be in the building today, right? There's going to be and no... You better have brought a bag today. I don't have one yet. Okay. But I, I'm going to play golf this afternoon. I think I'm going to go over to Willow's Run. And on my way, is there a Fred Meyer or something over there? There's yeah, got to be there. something. Of I know course. there's a Costco somewhere over there. Sheesh. I think I just got to go grab them some bags. Yes. How many bags are appropriate to make up for my unforgivable sin of eating pretzels that were left in the mm. freaking studio? Why not go above and beyond? And for yep. $6, you can get all three of them probably yep. a bag. Is that yeah. a, no? Dude, those bags? Six extra dollars is what oh, I mean. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because yeah. those bags are like <laughs> probably six, seven dollars a piece. Probably. Yep. This is going to be like a $20 thing that okay. I ate, like three pretzels. Well, you take mean, that bag with you uh, then today. Take it to Willow's. Take that right. one. I just take, take it with, with me because Bob's yes. certainly not going to eat it. No, a lot it. of people upset with you, Brock. Solomon was David's son. Salk is right, Brock. How oh, 
dare you make me defend Salk? Sorry. Solomon was David's son. Come on, Brock. Salk is definitely schooling you on the Bible this time. Yeah. That's yeah. what that's what it's come to? Yeah. That Old. that's where you're at at this point in your life. We had a good conversation for those on the text wondering about our five minute break right there. A really good conversation about Old Testament. Well, Ecclesiastes. Really fun. Yeah. You never know where things are gonna yep. go. Uh Colin Cowherd joins us right now. Some Sorry songs. about the intro, Colin. This is just kind of where the morning has taken us. Apologize for that. That that's where mornings take you sometimes in August. I yes. get it. Yeah, sometimes you end up talking about Solomon and David and the Bible. And... Sure, I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I think it was the Pac-9 that got us into that conversation. I'm not mm. sure how it ended up there, but we got a bunch of things to talk to you about today. But I think we got to sure. start there because it's such a mess. What in the world is going on with this conference? Well, I always thought the play for the Pac-12 was to go to Apple. I thought it sort of shared a progressive sort of West Coast feel. A lot of Pac-12 graduates, USC, Washington, Stanford, Cal, uh, work at Apple. Uh, I always felt Apple feels like the West Coast. It, it's a clear West Coast company. And uh, like Travelers is East. You know, there are certain insurance companies, they feel East. Apple feels West Coast. I would have signed up with them a year ago. People worry that you're on a streaming outlet, nobody will watch you. But that's not true because postseason football December, you would be on the major networks for bowl games. And preseason, you know, Washington plays Michigan, USC plays Notre Dame, you'd be on the big networks. Then you'd have a few regular season games sprinkled in um, that would be on the big networks. But, you know, streaming's the future. You take a hit in terms of uh, profile for several years, but the Big Ten and the SEC dominate profile anywhere. Even when USC was winning national championships for Washington, it was a fight and a struggle to get respect out West. I thought they should have signed with Apple. It feels like the conference. Um, you'd still, get, you know, you'd still get talked about. You'd still have a Heisman winner. You'd still have early. You know, my theory is if a movie is good early and late, you can butcher the middle a little. There's no bad movies ever that have a great 12 minute open and a 16 minute great close. Like, like, Usual Suspects is an average movie with a great, great open and close. I always thought it was, it was already about like a B, but it was great because the way it finishes. Go to Apple. Finish the season strong. Nobody's going to care. In 10 years, everybody will be on streaming. Mm, but you can't do it as a standalone. To Why me, not? To me, Colin, it would have been a great add-on. It would have been a terrific, hey, let's be creative. You want to talk about West Coast? Go outside the box. Be a little bit creative. They tried that with Larry Scott. Outside the box hire. Total flop. Total disaster. Presidents, boards, regents, all of it. Total meltdown. And George is digging himself out. I think you have to be outside-the-box creative. I think you've got to play on Fridays. I'm talking about the West Coast anyway. The West Coast with high school football is not what the South in the Rust Belt and anywhere else is. So you you know go to ESPN. Go to our company. Go and say, okay, here you go. It's yours. Where, where do you want us? You want to rebrand something? You want to make something in, in this day and age where it's hard to do to make a whole new brand like we did with the Big Noon Kickoff? Well, let's, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do it. And then adjunct to that, we will have a streaming. We will have Apple. We will do that. I think the presidents in the, in the 80s would have bought that. But Apple standalone after the scars of their subscription model that just happened and, and fell flat on its face. I don't know if they can go down that road, Colin. Yeah, I don't know if they have any choices. Uh, I mean, I know here at Fox, we, we could have chosen 
the Pac-12 or Big 12, and we chose Big 12, and which is remarkable because the teams are in like Lubbock and Stillwater, and the Pac-12's got L.A., San Francisco, Seattle, Phoenix, Salt Lake City. So it's it's got a it's got a leadership void. Um, but Lubbock and Stillwater yeah. care. Ames cares. Yeah, if you traveled yeah. with me, Colin, and you went to, oh, I don't know, Cal Berkeley and Palo Alto and. Tempe, and, and then you went with me to Lubbock and Ames and Stillwater. Guess what? Different Those pictures. markets, they care. They're, the voice cares. The noise cares. The audience cares. The stadium rocks. Those places care. West Coast doesn't care. Yeah, I mean, to, well, that's, that why USC, that's why USC is going to the Big Ten. I mean, they've yeah. been talking about – They've been. T- I got a call from their athletic director about a year ago before it was announced – and he called me, Mike Bone at the time, and he called and he said, well, what, what would you do? He said, we signed Lincoln Riley, and we only got about 3,000 season tickets. And, he, and I said, this is A, it's a pro sports market. I said, so they only care about USC football if they're winning. I said, so you get the right coach. They did, Lincoln Riley. I said, you're set there. Your recruiting will get going. I said, what I would do is bring two Big Ten teams in a year. And I said, I'd go to Michigan and Ohio State or Penn State every year. I'd invite them back. I said, cold weather, northern teams, bring them in out of conference. They'll sell the stadium uh, out. And then, you know, then you have Washington, Oregon, UCLA. You can sell the stadium out. But the truth is, USC thought about going independent four years ago and was talking about the Big Ten three years ago. So this was inevitable. What would you do, Colin, if you were the athletic directors at Washington and Oregon? Because, you know, Wazoo and Oregon State, they are unfortunately in those markets like Lubbock and Ames that you mentioned. And independent, obviously, independent on the other in-state schools. Right, right? And, and then Cal and, and Stanford, I, I don't know if they even really care too much about what happens here. But if you're Oregon and Washington and you're the ADs there, what do you do now? I would call the Big Ten and say we'll take 50% of the payout everybody else gets if we can join the conference. Um, and so that's still greater than the Pac-12. I think the Big Ten would like Seattle and Washington and like Phil Knight and Oregon's money. They don't want to give them one of the payouts because, as you guys know, that's the, that's the why USC and UCLA join. They're going to get a $70 million check every year <laughs> or 90 I So if you go to Washington, you know, the AD says, hey, listen, we'll go. We'll take half the payout. We'll figure out stuff in our market to make it work. But what we don't want to do is have a schedule full of Boise states um, and Utah states. So, because Washington, you know, you can, if you have big games on the schedule and Washington wins eight to nine a year, you don't have to win national championships. It's a loyal fan base. It's a hearty economy. You know, you're fine there. Montlake's beautiful, one of the best stadiums in the country. What you want to be is relevant. The Husky fans deserve relevance. And, and when you give them that, those big games, they don't have to win all of them. It's not Alabama or Ohio State. You win two out of three. I would say, you know, give me four, give me, give me seven games. I would just work a deal to get into the Big Ten and figure out the finances later. Uh, half a deal with Washington, with the Big Ten, is, is the equivalent of a full payout from the Pac-12. Go for it. He is Colin Cowherd. You know that voice. Uh, Colin, personal question here, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah. In your illustrious decades and decades-long career, who would you say are a few folks that maybe you've been the hardest on who have totally turned it, whose success on the field and maybe you thought, ah, never going to happen, right? And, and I don't know if Pete Carroll falls in that with, you know, just kind of tired and old and done. And then last year what they did, totally rewriting the script. So I, I don't want to lead the witness here. You just but did. It, but is there a couple that over the course of your career and, and if so, where would Pete kind of fit into that? 
Well, I always, first of all, I'm not anti-Pete. He's a Hall of Famer. So he's in the Jimmy, Jan, Jimmy Johnson mold. Great personnel guy, college rock star, NFL rock star. So he may not have the cowboy uh, prestige or gravitas, but Pete's a Hall of Famer. To me, he's one of the 10 best football coaches in the last 25 years. I'm not anti-Pete. I did think... Uh, like we are seeing with Tomlin, can't get the O-line right. Sean McDermott can't get the O-line right. Belichick hires a D.C. as O.C. I thought Pete was a little tone-deaf, a little run-centric with Russell in the last two or three years. I, I wasn't anti-Pete. I thought he was tone-deaf. Uh, by the way, you're, you've seen a pivot by the league to offensive coaches. It's virtually impossible if you have a good quarterback and an offensive coach who's competent. Zach Taylor, it's hard not to win a lot of games. So I thought Pete culturally was a tad tone deaf, but his energy, his brain power, his experience, uh, his ability. I mean, Greg Olson told me all the coaches he's had all through his life, Pete was the most organized, detailed, best meetings, best energy he's ever seen. So I'm not anti-Pete. I thought there was a two or three year period he just culturally, and by the way, Belichick's just completely tone deaf now with offense. So I think Pete has pivoted, which I give him and Nick Saban and a lot of these defensive guys as the world's pivoted around them in football. They have smartly pivoted. So I'm not anti-Pete, but I'd probably put that on the list. Let me think of an athlete that I was really uh, down on. Um, uh, I, yeah, I actually think Odell Beckham is not – the pain in the butt people view him as. I think Baker Mayfield struggles to get along with other stars. And I think, you know, he got ahead of himself. He's a young kid in New York, good looking. Women loved him, models. Uh, I think Odell Beckham still has real value. I thought he was great for the Rams. And in L.A., disappeared. Yeah. Nobody saw him. Yeah. I think he'll be great take. for the Ravens. That's a good take. I, yeah, I thought he was – I thought if you go to LSU – I told him this once. He FaceTimed me. I said, if you go to the Giants' early years with stability, LSU, the Rams, and even Cleveland, he's never been a problem. He got sideways for about three years in New York as he became the biggest star in town because the Knicks stunk, the Yankees were underachieving, the Giants were the talk, and Beckham was a star. Well, he was like 25 years old. Who, who doesn't get over their skis at 25 and you're dating supermodels? So I think, by and large, OBJ is actually a very good player, a little brittle, but a very good player, not a bad guy. All right, Colin, since we you're have you for a few minutes, and as you you're said, it's August, uh, I, can we play a little look into the future game with you? Because sure, I, love, sure, I sure. love when you try to look into the future. In sure. five years, there's a, there's a couple of questions about what the world will look like in five years. Who's the next commissioner of the NFL? Well, Goodell's really good, uh, in shape, pretty dynamic. Owners love him. Uh, I would say he's still the commissioner. Um, uh, com who would be who would be on a short list? There's probably a governor somewhere in the Northeast. Um, but that type of bigger, person. Yeah, that, yeah, I, I can see a governor doing it. I think Goodell's going to do it for a while. Same with Adam Silver. Uh, I think those commissioner jobs remind me in the 1980s of late night talk shows. If you got it, it was your last job. Hmm. Like if you got the Carson Leto Letterman chair, that was it, right? Like you didn't. You know, we're all Jimmy Kimmel was doing sports radio. He was doing this. You get the late night job. You can tell your agent just negotiate deals. Don't look for work. So I think once you become a commissioner, most guys stay forever. I mean, David Stern could have could have kept 
doing it, but Silver was so competent and liked within the league offices, he took it over. But um, my bigger question is, can we get somebody running for president that's not going to be in their 80s? That's, that's <laughs> unlikely. God. Oh, my Lord. I'd all vote for anybody who's just <laughs> – just, just <laughs> capable of being, you know, walking upstairs and downstairs without, you know, tripping. What uh, would you like? It's one brutal. of those Carson Letterman Leno chairs? Is that a job you would want? Oh God, no, no! Really? I found my, you know, you know, you can't, you don't get to I talk know. enough. I, I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not. I'm a talk show host, all right. and that's all I do. And then, I mean, Brock, you can laugh. Am I wrong? I mean, we're getting to a point now. They're serving Jello. To people in the White House or running for it. I mean, that's all we have noodles and jello. There's no hard foods. It's horrible. What happened? <laughs> Colin, this is, this is still an ESPN station. You're oh. apolitical here. You yeah. got to remember that. Even and though- term limits on senators, too, because it's not yeah, just the presidents. Just, I mean, does oh. anybody in their 30s want to run? Our choices no, of course are they don't. They want to make money. Why in the world would anybody uh, smart want to get into that business? Okay, crystal ball. Right, crystal- on, I got another crystal ball okay. question for you, Colin. You're hogging in them. five years, how involved are the Saudis in U.S. sports? Well, I think basketball is global. Soccer and basketball are global sports. Um, and so I think those they'll be involved, like golf. Golf's global. And the Saudis have been in the, you know, the British tour, as you guys know. They've been involved with the British tour forever. So, I mean, people overreacted to that whole thing. It's like well, the PGA was a charity. They don't even run the Masters of the U.S. Open. They don't run the British Open. Like, why? It's not like NASCAR where there's a brand and they run all the big races. Like, who cares what the PGA does? So soccer and basketball and golf, the Saudis will have huge influence. I don't think, you know, Major League Baseball is domestic. NFL, NHL are domestic. Uh, I, I don't see them college sports domestic. I don't, I don't see them having a big footprint. But if I was the NBA, you know, I'd buy a piece of the MLS, the NBA, and, and do what I do with the Live Golf Tour. I, I I, I try not to be too precious on this stuff. Sports are all run by money. And I know, you know, the Saudis has been in business with our government forever. I'm very aware of the downside to it, but I, it's just, it's oil money. And, you know, the company I used to work at, ESPN, at one point was owned by Getty Oil. Like, I get it. Like, everybody globally is in business with the Saudis. So I think basketball is, I, I wouldn't even say vulnerable. Basketball, golf, and soccer in America they'll go after. Uh, Colin, you got to run. Salko always gets mad when I let guests go, but you've got to run. You've got a show to do. I, last... I just want to co-host a show with Colin. So, yeah, yeah. no, I, you're last, right on Last that. quick crystal ball so you can get out of here and get to your show. Do the Seahawks make the playoffs this year? They're, they're the team that I'm really struggling with because um, – I think we're selling our stock. I think this is the best Dallas team in a long time. I don't think they're better than San Francisco, so it's a wild card team. Um, their Dallas probably has their best team in years. Don't love their coach. Uh, and Minnesota's being – I mean, they won 13 games last year. They're not going to eight. Like, they're undervalued. So, And that division's wonky. So uh, Seattle's kind of my – I kind of feel this way about the Denver Broncos. They'll be the last team out in the AFC, and Seattle will be on the line week 16-17. If they can beat teams like, you know, at the end of their schedule, Arizona's bad. Rams are in a semi-rebuild. Um, I think they're on the line. Mm-hmm. I think I think in the AFC, no, in the NFC, they're on the line. A spectacular 15 minutes Gosh, of radio. So good. Colin, you give good guests. We yeah. appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> Thanks for entertaining everybody for yeah. a few minutes. And, of course, you can always watch and listen to Colin all over Fox. We appreciate it, man. Thank you.
Love Seattle. Thanks, man. All right, there Thanks you go. Fun. Oh, I, I should have told. I just drove through his like hometown the other day. I'm over to the coast. Yeah, you did. I did. I was all yeah. through there. Oh, I meant to tell him about that. Great. Was it Grays Harbor, wherever he's from? Oh, Grays Harbor. Yep, yeah, absolutely. You Is that where that. he's from? I forget yeah, what town. It is. I think it's yeah. Grays Harbor. There's Hoquiam and Aberdeen out there around Grays Harbor. You, man. Yeah. And I mention this every time Colin comes on. Is just like in all of the years I spent in management here interviewing people who wanted to be in this business, every one of them to a person said they wanted to be like Colin Cowherd, that that was the guy they listened to, that was the person that they appreciated, that's the person they wanted to emulate. He has had the most profound effect on sports radio of anyone since Jim Rome. Yep. I I mean, I I think that's actually very clear to me the more I, I kind of talk to people around the business. And what I love about listening to Colin is how confidently he throws in his asides. Like it's like the, the comps are great. He is the comp king. You got a couple of them there. But I love the asides like Dallas is great. Best Dallas team in years. Don't love their coach. But just like he just like it's just so clear to him how he sees everything. I love it. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a reason. I don't know if you saw the headlines yesterday uh, and good on Colin and his agent and everything else. There's already headlines. His deals up in 25 and already headlines that ESPN is going to come all, all after Colin Coward to bring him back. Right, because their whole some of their radio and all the movement they made, and As they and, should. And when they've gone, they've gone big, right? When they've gone, they went and got Joe and Troy. When they, you know, went and got Pat McAfee, made a lot of other cuts, made a lot of other moves. But that guy's the best in the business. He's the best in this in the business. His brain works in a different way, mm-hmm. and his curiosity is still after all of these years. His curiosity He's is great. off the charts. Yeah, I really off like him. And I and we got a text here that says I like Colin better on this show than his own. I think I understand that. Like I, I think. The frustration a lot of people have with Colin is that he kind of goes unchecked, right? I mean, he he's generally hosted shows by himself, and he'll say something, and then the next day he'll say the exact opposite thing, and you're waiting for someone else to be like, hello, yeah, that's would, not I, what you said, yeah, Colin. Yes, but I he, would. He, yes, but I would challenge that even further, because you've done national, and you've done local. Yeah. And when you done, do national, totally there different. is no way you could be a mile deep. Right? You, you're, no, you can't. You can't. He you takes can't. it to another level. I mean, like Colin always just like, Colin, that specifically is the opposite of what you said yesterday. I mean, like the fact checking and stuff. Have you I mean, guys ever heard Mark Schlereth do his impression of like, of, no, I, I've of got Colin? it here. Yeah, he kind of does good? an impression of him and then he talks about like how he just convinces you, even if you're <laughs> like, wait. <laughs> Mark, let's talk about what you talked about on Colin's show. What you guys talk about over there? Uh, I, don't, I don't really pay attention to Colin. He says a bunch of things. I'm like, whatever, dude. Come on. I mean, yes! give me a break. He always has these unbelievable analogies and theories about things. Like, you know, I always, and the thing about Colin is Colin will essentially state something and then restate it and then state it again. And at the end of the day, you're like, wow, he's right. And ultimately, he doesn't say anything. Like, he'll say, he'll go like this. He'll go, NBA players are tall. They are. They just are. You know? And you're like, oh, my God, he's right. NBA players are tall. I saw one the other day at the grocery store. Who was that cackling in the background? I think that was uh, him on McAfee. But I just thought that that was a pretty accurate description. Yeah, Colin is a genius you. in his own yes. way. And I, I love having him on. I love his takes. On the, on the Pete thing... I strongly disagree with what he said. And I think that, again, you're right, Brock. He can't go a mile deep all the time. I get it. 
what he said about Pete, I think, is dead wrong. And I don't want to fight about it with him because I just, I, I just so? find Colin entertaining. How so? I don't think Pete got stubborn. I think Pete recognized the, the quarterback he had mm. and was trying to get the best out of him. Mm. When the quarterback went somewhere else and was allowed to do the things that Colin wanted Pete to do with him, he stunk. He fell flat on his face, and it was an utter embarrassment. He not only ruined, I mean, Brock, he maybe ruined his career and legacy to yeah. the point where he might no longer be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. And the moment Pete got no, a quarterback with different nope. skills, yep. he used him Played in a completely different way. Yeah. I honestly and truly, at my core, don't believe Pete was being stubborn for the sake of being stubborn. I believe he saw Russell Wilson for what he was, mm-hmm. for a player that was best in the type of system Pete wanted him to run. Yeah. That it was a Russell Wilson. Yep based system, no, I think that's a fair not argument. a Pete yep. Carroll-based system. And now that Russell's gone, yep. Pete can run a Pete Carroll or a Geno Smith-based system. Mm-hmm. I don't think there is a Pete Carroll-based system other than that he wants to take care of the ball, he wants explosive plays, and he does believe that the running game is part of what yep. leads to success. Yep. But other than that, there is no one Pete Carroll system. When Russell Wilson showed up, he started running read option. He'd never done that before, but Russell mm-hmm. Wilson was good at it. And it was not sensible to let Russ stand in the pocket and cook the way he wanted to because he stinks at it. Yeah, I would almost contend and argue, and certainly you know this from our personal text exchanges during Sundays in the NFL season, that some of his stubbornness to his defensive philosophy has driven me nuts. Some of that belief that we're going to play base defense and have Bobby Wagner and in, in, in base defenders trying to do this, I, it just drove me bananas and trying to play some of the mm-hmm. same coverage with guys that just can't play the ball and can't i would say it's well, a different conversation i'm yes. willing to have that one yes but the russell thing i think now we've seen proof somewhat definitively that that's not what was happening yeah last year was a total game changer in terms of what the seahawks Mm-hmm. previous few years were all about. Mm-hmm. They changed every, or if they didn't change your point of view, didn't change your mind, did it change you CX, watching. Did it change CX Twitter's mind? I, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen all. a lot of Let Russ Cook. I've not seen a lot of confessions. I've not seen a lot of I was wrong on that. I've not seen a lot of well, that. Well, it's hard to actually say you were wrong. Trust yeah. me, I have to do it all the time. It's not yeah. easy. It's hard to say you were wrong. It's hard to say that the Mariners had a great offseason only to find out that it was, like, you know, horrible. It's hard to say you were wrong. Yep. I was wrong about that. And they were dead wrong on whether or not Russ needed to cook. Shannon Dreyer will join us to talk about that Mariners offseason and what they did yesterday next. It's Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710.